Welcome back to the Echoing Christ podcast. Today we are going to be reviewing the book Mere Christianity, the first half of it, where C.S. Lewis talks a little bit about right and wrong and the moral law, and then getting into what Christians believe. And this is going to help us with evangelism, so listen in today. Welcome back to the Echoing Christ podcast. It is your co-host Alex. I am joined in the podcast studio with three people today. To my right is Kenzer Havel. Across the table from me is Dean. And to my left is Forrest Gump. (laughs) Someone's finally decided to return to the podcast studio after traveling across the... He got to one end of the United States and decided, I've come this far and I might as well come back. (laughs) He also does great... um, Forrest Gump impersonations and helped me with my promote proposal. So thank you very much, Riley. Does it feel good to be back in the podcast studio after skipping for the past two weeks? Yes, it feels good to not be in a truck after two weeks. I bet. I bet. How many miles did you travel? I think it was close to 5,000. Wow. Mm-hmm. Where was that as far as you went? Like the farthest stretch was yeah. from, we didn't want to go through California cities, so we went to Redwood, and then we went back up through the mountain range and down like past Reno. Nevada. Yeah. It looked pretty beautiful from a lot of the things you posted on Snapchat. There was a lot of desert I didn't post, and that was depressing. <laughs> desert oh. is depressing. I am I'm definitely jealous, but we are here on this wonderful Wednesday morning because I am traveling to Alabama for work. But the time mm. you guys will be hearing this, it will be Monday, July 4th, so I hope everybody had a good, good holiday weekend and has a great July 4th. Today we're going to be actually going over, as Kinzer said, the book by C.S. Lewis, at least the first half of it, Mere Christianity. Um, it's four books really in one book. Um, and say, as far as authors go, Kinzer, you might have something different to say, but of all the Christian authors I've read, I would say he's, my, he's definitely my favorite, but he might be the best, at least in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, Lewis is very unique. He says a lot, if not very many words sometimes. he Like these chapters, some of them are only like six pages, mm-hmm. but just they're so rich. Uh, Lewis is very gifted with illustrations. He packs a punch, and his logic is almost unparalleled. Well, and it's like you told me, because I started reading this book before we went to Milwaukee, and Kinzer told me, because I was like, man, I'm having a hard time understanding this. I mean, you have to understand, like, Lewis was born in 1898, so I mean, he grew up in England where their English is much better than our own, so the way he, and different, the way he speaks, it's just so much more profound, it's harder to understand, and I think you run into that with authors in the first place, but Kinzer told me, and it was a little bit reassuring, he said, if you can understand Lewis, he said, you can read anybody, so that was definitely good, but, so we're just going to kind of hit on some points that we we noticed through the first half of the book um each of us kind of wrote down a little bit um all of us took the time to actually read the book or at least the first half of the book and then in the next couple weeks once i get back we'll actually record a second part to this so um it's not like we're just going to go over the first half of the book for you and then just make you read the second so um does do any of you particularly want to start um I can begin. Uh, so the, the beginning of the book, he goes into something called the law of nature mm-hmm. or the law of, of human nature. Mm-hmm. And these chapters were originally recorded on a radio show, basically. So 
he put them into this digital form. So this was originally meant for the public. So this isn't like just written for like the highfalutin you know, people in the philosophy religion department. Like it's also it's written for us to try to understand God and understand Christianity. Well, and if I'm correct, at the beginning of the book, doesn't he say it was for because this was written around the time of World War One, right? Mm-hmm. And it was for no. young men. World War II. Sorry, World War II. Okay, my yeah. bad. And it was for like young men, young British men in the army, and he was kind of asked to speak to them. Mm-hmm. If I'm correct with that, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So, so with the the law of human nature, and or he'll just call it the mm-hmm. law of nature. Mm-hmm. It's basically him seeking to prove. Mm-hmm. That there is right and wrong, mm-hmm. and that we have consciences. Mm-hmm. That there is something in us that thinks we mm-hmm. ought to do the right thing. Yeah. Not just, mm-hmm. okay, sometimes I'll choose it, sometimes mm-hmm. I won't. But there's something in us that says, mm-hmm. I should go help yeah. that woman across the street. Mm-hmm. I should mm-hmm. go help the baby who's in need. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and he says that on page 8, and he, Kinzer just mentioned the first point, and the second point says, if you if they don't behave in this way that they know they ought to, they actually are breakers of the law of nature. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, he just, and we'll get into it a little bit later, but he even talks about it. He's like, I've not mentioned, and he doesn't mention for a while, a god or specifically the God of Christianity. He's just arguing pure logic. And it's it's actually really interesting. I mean, he uses people's arguments against them. And I honestly wish we would have kind of read this book before we did the atheism <laughs> podcast because I think that one would have, we would have had so much more knowledge and insight to that. And I think it would have been um, just a great add-on to that. I don't know if Riley or Dean, if you have anything you want to add. <laughs> first podcast got him nervous <laughs> um, I'll, I'll just add on page 3 in the very mm-hmm. beginning like you can see morality mm-hmm. people choosing right and wrong and mm-hmm. like adhering to some standard outside yeah. of themselves he said because people say things quote like this mm-hmm. how do you like it if anyone did the same to you that's my seat I was there first mm-hmm. leave him alone he isn't doing you any harm why should he shove in first Give me a bit of your orange. I gave you a bit of mine. Mm-hmm. Come on, you promise. And he says everyone says things like that. Mm-hmm. Grown-ups, children, educated, uneducated. And he, he says what interests him about all those remarks is that the man who makes them is not merely saying that the other man's behavior is not mm-hmm. pleasing him. He's appealing to some standard of behavior mm-hmm. which he expects the other man to know. So basically he's... Lewis is doing the groundwork, Mm -hmm. and this is a really good way to talk to people Mm -hmm. and say, like, you know, do you think there's right and wrong? Mm -hmm. And then jumping from that to say, like, well, why is there right and wrong? Mm -hmm. Like, how did that come about? And they say, well, you know, there's laws. Mm -hmm. There's a standard. Well, how did we get this law? How do we have this moral standard? Mm-hmm. Is it just something we agree to? Is it something outside of ourselves? Mm-hmm. And Lewis is going to show that there is this standard, this morality that all cultures mm-hmm. agree to. And he's going to say if it's outside of culture, then it has to be given from something outside of man. And as Alex had mm-hmm. said, he doesn't just come out and say it's God. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he um, 
But there's some kind of power that's going to be giving us this morality. And he, he'll move closer to that as the book progresses. Yeah, I got something to throw in here. Um, in the page 8, he says, I am just the same. That is to say, I do not succeed in keeping the law of nature. Very well. And the moment anyone tells me I am not keeping it, there starts up my mind a string of excuses, as long as you're armed. Hmm. So... No one's perfect in keeping the law, mm-hmm. but we do have the sense that we should be helping out. And anyone gives excuses because they hate judgment and mm-hmm. they know I'm doing something wrong. So here's my excuse or here's yeah. why I didn't do this or why I did that. And yeah, mm-hmm. we all have excuses and we want to be perfect. Yeah. Why are we justifying ourselves if there's no law, you know, like... Why Why are we trying to prove to the world? I mean, like, you see all the social justice warriors mm-hmm. out there, and so many of them say they don't believe in God. It's like, well, why are we trying to get social justice for people? It, where did this right and wrong come from? Why are we not just, like, ants and cockroaches out here, just survival of the fittest? Like, it's not survival of the fittest. Like, we, there's a different standard to which we're <laughs> adhering to, but why? Asking that question to people... <laughs> gets their mind thinking. So that, that's just a good question. This is Echoing Christ podcast. We're trying to get the word of the Lord. Mm-hmm. And this is one way to get people thinking about God. And it's kind of funny. And moving to like a little bit further into, I think it's still in the first book, where he kind of mentions two views that the world holds. And you said, mm. it, makes me, it makes me think of it because you said survival of the fittest. And that goes mm. back to evolution. Oh, did you? Sorry, Riley, did I skip completely over you? No. Okay. <laughs> you you looked at me like you had some. I, don't, I thought maybe you're just tired. But um, <laughs> anyway, so he, he, he brings up the materialist view, and it says matter and space, and this is, and this is legitimately just what the view set, just thinks. He says matter and space just happen to exist, always have, and nobody knows why. But by a one in 1,000 chance, something hit our sun, and produced planets, and then by another um, one in 1,000 chance, the chemicals for life and the right temperature occurred on one planet, and some matter from that planet came alive. Then by a series of more chances, living creatures developed into us. And I know Kinzer kind of mentioned that like when we did the atheism podcast and just how unlikely all of this is. And so... Then the other view is the religious view, which says the, says the universe is more like a mind. Um, its conscious has purpose, prefers one thing to another. On this view, it is made. On this view, it made the universe partly for a purpose that we don't understand, but partly to produce creatures like itself to the extent of having minds. So I think I don't know. I just maybe it's just because I am Christian, or the four of us are Christians. I don't think anybody in here could like look at that materialist view and like have it make any sense to them really at all. I don't I don't know. Does that make it like that viewpoint make any sense to you, Riley? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm zoned. Sorry, if, 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 just if, reinstate the if, question. If Riley if Riley sounds sleepy, he did just get back last yes. night. So I am we're we're just grateful that he's even here today. Um but some of the question. <laughs> so, like, you being a Christian and then hearing that materialist view, like, does it logically make any sense to you by saying 
matter and space just happen to exist. Nobody knows why, but they always have. And then by just a bunch of chances, something hit the sun, produced the planets, and then chemicals for life occurred on one planet, and then we came to be through another series of chances. Like, it just to me, it doesn't sound logical, but I'm curious what mm. you think. Yeah, um, every time I think about it, really, it doesn't... I can't, I can't see the point of view of an atheist or somebody who just thinks that the world came into being because, I mean, with all the technology we have, all the space travel we have, everybody's trying to prove that there is another accidental planet that inhabits humans or not humans, but aliens or like whatever kind of source of life. But everything we've found so far, the closest thing to life that there is, is bacteria on a different planet or frozen water. And all these other planets are completely uninhabitable, whether the chemicals in the air aren't right or they're too close or too far from the sun. They don't have a sun mm-hmm. or whatever. And and there's closer planets, and but they're still uninhabitable. Mm-hmm. There's only one planet in our whole Mm-hmm. What <clears throat> seems to most humans as a infinite mm-hmm. universe, um, there's only one planet that inhabits us, and it's perfectly fit for all of our needs. Mm-hmm. Uh, I gave the same argument as mm-hmm. the watch uh, of the watchmaker mm-hmm. in the atheistic or uh, speaking Jesus atheism episode, mm-hmm. and I mean there's there's not really much that says. Yeah, so basically this just naturally happens, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> basically, no, sure. oh, oh, a, a planet is completely inhabitable. It, this happens all the time, but it's not. It's a statistical yeah, oddity. And it, there's just, I, I can't, I couldn't, even if, like, I wasn't brought up Christian, I don't think I could have just been like, yeah, the world was an accident. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean in Romans, and we've mentioned this verse. I think it's Romans one twenty, but it says it's basically clear to all from what has been made, God's divine attributes, His um, the fact that there is a God. It, it is clear, but then we suppress the truth mm-hmm. in unrighteousness. So it is. It is mm-hmm. obvious, but then the fool says in his heart, "There is no God." Mm-hmm. And and Lewis does a little bit of what we were just talking about there of talking about like the outside mm-hmm. examples but the majority of the beginning of mere christianity is focusing on inside yeah. information mm-hmm. so though i love the way he says it um he says the other bit of information of evidence mm-hmm. rather than the outside of the universe he's saying mm-hmm. is the moral law which god put into our minds and this is a better bit of evidence than the other because it is inside information you find out more about god from the moral law than from the universe in general just as you find out more about a man by listening to his conversation than by looking at a house he has built so he he says you know god we are made in god's image we're made in the image of god so we have this internal mm-hmm. connection thing and we we know ourselves yeah well um better than we could ever know a wooden pole or what better we could ever know mm-hmm. a bacteria mm-hmm. like we we know our conscience and to study that is a unique thing and it, it's very if you really just sit back and think about it like the fact that that we have like feelings mm-hmm. and 
the fact that we're motivated by not just desires, but like, mm-hmm. I should do this. Mm-hmm. Like, what is that? And Lewis is saying, that's something God did. That's something you can't, yeah. like, define. Well, like, I don't know. If, it might just be in sci-fi movies, but, like, you hear, No, it's not. But <laughs> <laughs> you hear a lot of times people are like, man, like, humans are magnificent animals or magnificent mm-hmm. creatures. And it's like, because we're not even in the same category yeah. as all other creatures exactly. on the earth. We have a conscience and, mm-hmm. and we feel things and we can, we can mm-hmm. sense that another human being... Mm-hmm. is feeling this way just by looking at them. Yeah. I mean, a pack of wild dogs, if one one dies or one gets injured, it gets left behind to starve on its own. Mm-hmm. A human being would go to comfort, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. another human being or go to help them. Yeah. There are not dog hospitals mm-hmm. built mm-hmm. and run by dogs with yeah. dog learning. Wouldn't that be a sight, though? <laughs> oh, <boy. laughs> but that's just another proof mm-hmm. that, yeah. you know, like, we have higher civilization, mm-hmm. we care about each other, we talk mm-hmm. about our, we have therapy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we're, yeah. we're just discussing yeah. our conscience. Mm-hmm. It's, it's all a proof for God. Like, humans do that in general because we have mm-hmm. made an image of God, but then Christians mm-hmm. turn that dial up even more. Mm-hmm. Um, Alex had just shared with me a post from what was the guy's name? Scott or something? I, I don't remember. I, Solace, I think. Yeah. Something like that. And there's a little bit, you know, hot button issue right now was the Roe v. Wade being overturned. And uh, he's talking about how oftentimes the non-Christians will come and say, well, you know, all you Christians are pushing to not get abortions, but then you're not helping out with the Uh, pregnancies and you're not Mm -hmm. helping out with the social and financial Mm -hmm. burdens and all the adoptions that need to happen Mm -hmm. and you're not caring for the you know you Mm -hmm. don't care about any of that but in this article this guy was pointing out that christians are the ones that are actually leading Mm -hmm. the charge for those in crisis Mm -hmm. pregnancies they're the ones out there doing the social work and now there are some non-christians obviously too but christians are the ones who see needs and then as christ act upon it mm-hmm. well and i can't speak on riley's behalf or dean's behalf um and i don't mean this because your guys's age mm-hmm. you, riley being 17 dean being 15 but kenzer and i are both 26 and so like the bible talks about you like if you're timothy you need to find your paul but if you're Paul, you need to find a Timothy. Mm-hmm. So, like, Kinzer has a bunch of kids that he ministers to. Heck, he ministers to me, and I'm six days younger than him. But I look at myself, and there's, like, three young men that, like, I take my time out of every day just to see how they're doing. I mean, and they don't come from the best homes. Um, the three of them don't have father figures in the home. I mean, and so, and one thing I... I say, and I hate, like, I hate that I have to have a job, because if I didn't, I would absolutely spend my time with kids and, and help any kid that needs it, but I mean, mm-hmm. the the vast majority of, like, and I hate to say this term, but I'm going to say it, like, true Christians would absolutely, like, if they had all the time in the world, yes, they would help with all these kids, and they would be there for them. I mean, you don't, it really doesn't, it's not that hard to see, just, like, a true Christian, you'll know it by their actions and, like, how much time they would give. I mean... I've one of them. He swims, and unfortunately, I work till eight a.m. or eight p.m. every day, so I can't mm-hmm. go to any of his swim meets. But I would love to be. But he still talks to me about the Bible every day, and it's mm-hmm. it's just great to get to speak with him. Mm-hmm. I mean, so you can't say Christians 
aren't out there trying to help. I, yeah. I think that's a very wrong argument just to yeah. kind of segue off of what Kenzo was just saying. Yeah. But Because um, Kenzer was actually hit one of my points a little bit ahead of me there. But <laughs> after those two views, there's a little bit, um, like it talks a little bit further about um, on pages 24 and 25, it says, we want to know whether the purpose simple of the universe, yeah, we want to know whether the universe simply happens to be what it is, the materialist view, or for for no reason, or if there's a power behind that that makes it what it is, the religious view. The only and it says he says the only way we could expect it to show itself would be an internal influence or command that moral law, mm-hmm. um, trying to get us to be her, behave a certain way, um, and that's exactly what you find. He goes on to say. Lewis notes that like when you open when he opens up a packet and he said the only packet he is qualified to open is man. Mm. Um, he said he finds he does not exist on his own. Mm. That he is under a law. And like I mean it's kinda of like Kinsler was talking about. We we obey and we act off a set of laws. I mean and he's proving that here yet again. And yet again, I'll reiterate it, we've not talked about God. Up to this point, mm. we're twenty five pages into a book called mere christianity and god has not been mentioned once um that somebody or somebody goes on to say that somebody or something wants him to behave a certain way i mean so right there i mean he's yet again kind of debunking the argument of like a universe without a god the materialist view um so i mean he's really he really lays the foundation well i mean Mm -hmm. he does a great job with that I don't know. <laughs> um, so, so then, at the end of of this chapter, he kind of talks about how some people think there's okay, there's something that's guiding maybe some of these moral principles. Mm-hmm. There's something, and he says some people call it like a life force mm-hmm. or something. And uh, he he says that people like a mm-hmm. general idea of mm-hmm. that. Just there's something guiding me. I mean, I can't yeah. tell you how many people. I talk to her like, well, I think there's something out there. There's some kind of God. Mm-hmm. I don't really know. There's like a force in nature or something. Mm-hmm. And he asks this question. He says, um, what sense in saying is there that something without a mind strives and has purposes? He says, this seems to me to fatal. He says, one reason why many people find creative evolution so attractive is that it gives one much of the emotional comfort of believing in God mm-hmm. and none of the less pleasant consequences. When you are feeling fit and the sun is shining and you do not want to believe that the whole universe is a mere mechanical dance of atoms, it is nice to be able to think that this great mysterious force rolling on through the centuries and carrying you on its crest. Mm-hmm. If, on the other hand, you want to do something rather shabby or bad, the life force, being only a blind force force with no morals and no mind, will never interfere with you like that troublesome God we learned when we were children. The life force is a sort of tame God. You can switch it on when you want, but it will not bother you. All the thrills of religion and none of the cost. Then he asks the question, is the life force the greatest achievement of wishful thinking the world has yet seen? And I think that's where we find lots of people just having a general idea. There's something out there, but not actually coming down on what they believe. And evangelism is pushing them. And sometimes it's apologetics. you got to defend the faith, pushing them closer 
and closer to the truth. I mean, yeah, it's so easy to say from the point of a non-believer that because if you give a Christian an answer that says, I don't believe there's a God, I think there's, you know, this all happened by chance, then you're going to get into a debate. Mm -hmm. If you say, I believe in God, then they're like, oh, you're my you're my brother and sister in Christ. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a God. Yeah, okay. Well, on to the next person. Hopefully there's an atheist somewhere that hates me. <laughs> I'm going to go talk to. Yeah. And it's like, uh, yeah, there's a God, but, you know, he probably just backed up. Like, that's illogical. Yes. If you're going to believe in the logic of a creator mm-hmm. and somebody who just, like, formed everything from nothing. Mm-hmm. Just, like, hands up. I'm, okay. How many times do you see, yeah, like, an artist, mm-hmm. they're just like, Oh, I just worked like nine months on this painting, and it's hyper realistic, and it's great. Hey, you want it for free? Here, just like I don't even want anything to do with this anymore. I want no accreditation. Like, forget that's even me. Like, no, no, no artist, no, no creator has ever been like, hey, I don't want to be associated with this anymore. It's a masterpiece. But well, all I'm saying, uh, Kelsey told me she was listening to something this week. And apparently someone sold an invisible statue as art for like ten thousand dollars. You can do that. There I've 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 heard of strange things like someone took a piece of paper and framed it and said the human mind. It's a blank piece of paper, it's not art. Yeah. If you guys if you guys want to do nothing, just yeah. like take some paint and like splatter it on a canvas, go to like New York. I'm and then call it a masterpiece. I'm sorry. I know. Instant, I just, instant millionaire. Yeah. I just. I know. I went off on such a tangent there, but mm-hmm. I've just been bothered by that. And well, Riley talking about an artist well, just got me. There was something in New York where, like, basically they just went to a dump mm-hmm. and then just like got a bunch of trash yeah. and threw it into like mm-hmm. a big area. Yeah. And then there was like a big art convocate. Like, mm-hmm. is literally just mm-hmm. went to a dump. And placed. I can bring that back. Trash. <laughs> so that yeah. that's kind of like mm-hmm. what the world's doing. Like modern modern society is doing it. Yeah, you know, I mean, like just they're straight up doing that. But like with with religion or spirituality in today's world, anything's a god. Anything's your own. Mm-hmm. Wor- like follow your own heart. That's all you hear today. Mm-hmm. Every inspirational yeah. Yeah. quote is follow your own heart and nothing else. That that uh, that ties back to just going to a dump and being like, hmm, banana peel, that's a good one. Oh, here's a ripped pair of jeans, old sneakers, art. It's like this this is so far from what like old art used to be. It was beautiful. And it's like, oh my goodness. Yeah. It's like yeah, I mean old art. I mean if you go back in the Middle Ages and like early art, like after Christ, like. Most artists are Christians. Mm-hmm. Most authors are Christians. Mm-hmm. Most scientists are Christians. Mm-hmm. Almost all of the intellectual progress that we made prior to Charles Darwin mm-hmm. was made by Christians because we believe that God made the mind. Mm-hmm. And we believe in something called natural law, basically that the world works consistently because God works consistently. And we also believe in beauty because God is beautiful. So, There's, Christians are not to blame for any kind of regress, but all almost all of our progress. 
So, and then what you heard Kinzer read a little bit, um, sorry, I feel like I got us really far off tangent there, <laughs> um, where he was talking about the two bits of like information about somebody. So that's, there's three parts um, that actually talks about there that Lewis mentions. Um, and the first one is actually kind of like, and he calls it putting the clock back on the wall. Um, and he talks about like, if you're going down the wrong road, he's like, he's like, when you fi- finally fi- figure out you're going down the wrong road, he's like, you do an about turn and get back to the right road. And he's yep. like, he's like, in in the case of like the man who turns back the soonest is the most progressive. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a simple argument. And if you're a Christian, you understand that that's how repentance works. Mm-hmm. But actually Dean, um, I think he had, he was going to actually, he noted and talked about the, the third point that um, Lewis actually makes on page 31 there. And I think it's actually really interesting for people to kind of see that. Yeah. Yeah. Um... Page 31 reads, Now my third point, when I chose to get my real subjective subjective in this roundabout way, I am not trying to play any kind of trick on you. I had a different reason. My reason was that Christianity simply does not make sense until you have faced the sort of facts I've been describing. Christianity tells people to repent and promises uh, them forgiveness. And promises them forgiveness. So, we are to... As Christians, we are to repent and we are promised forgiveness. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, it continues to say, therefore, has nothing to say to people who do not know they have done anything to repent and who do not feel that mm-hmm. they need any forgiveness. Mm-hmm. It is not after you have realized that there is a real moral law and a power behind the law mm-hmm. and that you have broken the law and put yourself wrong with that power. Mm-hmm. It is after all this and not a moment sooner that mm-hmm. Christianity begins to talk. And so in reading that, it actually kind of struck a chord with me because, I mean, you hear some people talk about, well, I don't feel like the Holy Spirit moving in me and I don't, I don't, I don't do wrong or like all these things. And it's like, well, it's because you've never thought of yourself as a lawbreaker. Mm-hmm. And I mean, he clearly says it right there. And it's actually really funny. I mean, the way Lewis does it, I mean, you know, when, as we read through the Bible it or just in context in general, it capitalizes the G in God when we're talking about the about God in general, or not in general, but the God. Um, and then if it says he, him, his, the H is always capital. But Lewis does something actually really profound here, and he said we talked about the moral law, and he says a power behind it, and he capitalizes the P, as in the power is God. And then he says you have broken that law to sin. And then he said, and you put yourself on the wrong side of that power. So you put yourself on the wrong side of God in the fact that you have sinned against him. Mm-hmm. And so it take, but it does take like you realizing that and like back in the very, the preface or no, the forward of this book, um, it talks about like the religious like struggle doesn't happen like on this magnificent battleground. It happens in your heart. Um, so I mean, you have to truly, like, your mind and your heart have to be connected and realize, like, hey, I've screwed up. Mm-hmm. But, like, if you don't realize that, like, Christianity is just, it, it's not that you can't be Christian. It's that it, God isn't going to work in you because you don't realize you're a sinner. Yeah. And, I mean, that's one of those things, like, we've talked about with, like, young young Christians or young people coming to Christ is they don't, they don't understand why they would need to repent because they don't understand they were born a sinner and mm-hmm. like you might have not done anything wrong ever but you you being born you're a sinner like mm-hmm. it's and everyone's done some wrong yeah i mean i know no but. i know no i know but 
like Adam is our representative head. Like we're born into sin, and then once you're under Christ, he's ever sinned. So new representative. And Alex, like we were saying, like the gospel is good news, but you gotta have bad news mm-hmm. first. Like you have to grasp mm-hmm. your utter sin yeah. and repugnance mm-hmm. to God. Like Lewis talks about it very clearly. He says that um, God is the only comfort. Mm-hmm. He is also the supreme terror. Mm-hmm. The thing we most need and the thing we most want to hide from. Mm-hmm. He is our only possible ally and we have made ourselves his enemies. Mm-hmm. He says some people talk as if meeting the gaze of absolute goodness would be fun. They need to think again. Mm-hmm. They are still only playing with religion. Goodness is either the great safety or the great danger according to the way you react to it. And we all have reacted the wrong way. So you got to grasp that first and uh, taking people through just some of the Ten Commandments is a good way. You know, have you ever lusted after someone in your heart? Mm-hmm. Jesus says if you did that, you committed adultery. Mm-hmm. Have you ever hated someone in your heart? Jesus says you murdered them. Um, have you ever lied? Mm-hmm. Have disobeyed you, your parents. Disobeyed your parents. Mm-hmm. you ever stolen something, even if it's small? Mm-hmm. And like, just running through a few of those and maybe I mean, help people kind of see it. I mean, in the first commandment, did you put something above God? Did you... Exactly. Like, I mean, some, some kids it's video games, some people it's sports. Mm-hmm. I mean, some... It, weightlifting. I mean, mm-hmm. sometimes, like, I have to check myself on that. Like... Mm-hmm. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, like Kinzer said, kind of have to check those and, I mean, make sure you're helping other people understand that. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing I think was really important, and I'm sorry, did I cut, I didn't mean to cut you off if I no, did. you're Because um, Riley was kind of talking about atheism. And in pages 38 and 39, Lewis talks about his time being an atheist before he was converted. And I think it's such a great argument against atheism. And this $17 book is, like, these two pages right here, this really one page, is worth, like, $50 worth of just information. Like, you could take these two, this page and just keep it and throw the rest of the book away, and you're still better off for it. But he says, My argument against God was that the universe seems so cruel and unjust. But how I got the, but yeah, how I had this idea of just and unjust he said a man does not call a line crooked unless he has some idea of a straight line what i was comparing the universe with what was i comparing the universe uh with when i called it unjust if the whole if the whole salt show was bad and senseless from a to z so to speak why did i who was supposed to be a part of the show find myself in such a violent reaction against it a man feels wet when he falls into water because a man is not a water animal. A fish does not feel wet. Of course, I could have given up, could have given up my idea of justice by saying it was nothing but a private idea of my own. But if I had, but if I did that, then my argument against God collapsed too. For the argument depends on saying that the world was really unjust, not simply that it did not happen to please my fancies. Thus, in the very act of trying to prove God did not exist, or in other words, yeah, in other words, uh, that the whole of the reality was senseless, I found 
I found I was forced to assume that one part of reality, mainly the idea of justice, was full of sense. Consequently, atheism turns out to be too simple. Um, if the whole universe has no meaning, we should have never found out that it has no meaning. Yeah. Just as if there were no light in the universe and therefore no creatures with eyes, mm -hmm. we should have never known it was dark. Dark mm -hmm. would be a word without meaning. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I, that's, I don't know if there's any, outside of just reading it, I don't know if there's any more you can really <laughs> no, add to that. you can't. I mean, it might, C.S. Lewis <laughs> might have just... Go get the book, find page 38 and 39. Yeah, I saw and that just... and I underlined that. I was going to really read it and then you read it. I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, it's so good. C.S. Lewis just, he might as well have mic dropped on page 38. <laughs> 38, 39 just said I'm done. Yeah, okay. But it's just, it's so profound to say. I mean, I don't, after reading that, I mean, yeah, where do you get your just versus unjust ideas that I mean it's kind of like we've talked about Ray Comfort atheism He's, he asked me he says explain to me if you believe in atheism how nothing can create something mm -hmm. if if there's no just or unjust I mean how where did you get the idea of which one was what like where does that moral sense come because atheism says there's no such thing as just or unjust correct mm -hmm. so well some some of them they, they might try to <laughs> Put it in like social norms and things, but you can't have an objective standard at that point, so you really can't have true justice. Um, but yeah, that's that's really good. Mm -hmm. So, so in our, our brief time we have left mm -hmm. here, um, the second kind of part mm -hmm. of uh, the, the mm -hmm. second, the first half of the book mm -hmm. here that we're looking at, Lewis kind of gets into Christianity a mm -hmm. little bit, a little bit deeper. Uh, talks about how it's not dualism so some people think it's kind of like good god versus bad god mm -hmm. and i think a lot of people have been kind of think of that they think like karma mm -hmm. like people you start talking to they're like well i think there's like some good something if you do good it'll come back to you if you do bad it might come back and um they think there's like some kind of mysterious life force of mm -hmm. the two out there but he actually shows that dualism is illogical um, because they can't, at least they can't be equal mm -hmm. in power because evil mm -hmm. actually borrows or steals from good. I don't know if anyone wants to explain how he talks about that. I mean, Dan, I, I think you were talking about that before we started recording. I don't know if you had that. Um, there was just the part that I underlined. Uh, dualism means the belief that there are two equal and independent powers at the back of everything. Uh, one being good, one being bad, and... Some people would look at it, mm -hmm. God and Satan, both mm -hmm. having, both being rivals and mm -hmm. hating each other because one is good and one is bad. But it's not really like that because mm -hmm. God controls and takes over what Satan does. And he doesn't really mm -hmm. have that independent power. Mm -hmm. He's kind of just feeding off of, like it says, the good. Mm -hmm. And that action's come from that yeah. good. And expounding on what Kinzer was saying, I mean... The reason, like, they can't be equal and bad has to steal from good. And he, like he says, bad, the bad power must be a being who likes badness for its own sake. In, the reali in reality, we have no experience of anyone liking badness just because it's bad. Like, because to be bad, you must have intelligence, existence, and will. Mm -hmm. But existence, will, and intelligence are in and of themselves good. Yes. Therefore, therefore, he must get them from the good power. Mm -hmm. Even to be bad, he must borrow and steal from his opponent, mm -hmm. the good force. Yeah. Um, 
So, I mean, and that's why he goes on to say one of the most profound things he says in this first half. He says, do you now begin to see why Christianity has said that the devil is a fallen angel? This is not a mere story for children. It's a recognition that evil is a parasite and not an original thing. Mm -hmm. He said, the powers that enable evil to carry on are powers given to it by goodness. Mm -hmm. All things which enable a bad man to be efficiently bad are in themselves good things. Mm -hmm. Resolution, cleverness, and good good looks, existence itself. That is why dualism, as he says in a strict sense, will not work. Yes. Like, every vice or every bad thing Mm -hmm. is actually, like, the word Alex had used there, a parasite of a virtue. Mm -hmm. So, like, you say, like, is someone really good at deceiving people and getting in their own Mm -hmm. way? Well, what's, like, the virtue of of that vice, of deception? It would be, like, cleverness. Mm -hmm. Like, it's good to be clever and, Mm -hmm. like, be wise and discerning, but then some people will twist it and Mm -hmm. use it for evil intentions, but like every evil act, it's actually, it is borrowing from something Mm. good. Like if someone's just committed to abortion, they're Mm. just commit, they're all about, they're like Mm -hmm. doing everything they can. Mm -hmm. Well, commitment is a good thing. Mm -hmm. Not commitment to that (laughs) though. So like every vice has its virtue. Mm. And, And this is why in Romans, when it says for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of mm-hmm, god mm-hmm. actually the vice of pride mm-hmm. the virtue is not humility the virtue is actually glory mm-hmm. glory is a weightiness a responsibility a good thing mm-hmm. where you're dependent on god mm-hmm. but pride is divorcing god mm-hmm. from it and mm-hmm. just being like look at how waiting awesome i am mm-hmm. apart from the glory that god has given us mm-hmm. with himself so um Lewis, Lewis kind of debunks karma there, um, kind of goes against the dualism. But, but yet at the end of the chapter, he's very clear that Satan's real. Yeah, well, correct me if I'm wrong. Mm-hmm. I'm going to give a little bit of an illustration. I'm not, right. too, I don't know too much about The Hobbit, Lord of the Rings. But <laughs> oh, I've this got is this, awesome. Yeah, Uh-oh. okay. So, like, you got the new Obi-Wan series out. So I'm, I'm going all, all over the place. Okay? I was so about to say, I thought we were talking about The Hobbit. <laughs> Listen... <laughs> So you got the new Obi-Wan series out, and everybody is loving Darth Vader, right? He's a cool villain. You know, mm-hmm. he's, pow- yeah. he's more powerful than the, the good guy, at, mm-hmm. at, at least the beginning. I haven't finished the rest of the episodes <laughs> yet. But, you know, he's, he's powerful. He's kicking his butt, you know. That's not what Satan's like. Satan is mm-hmm. not Darth Vader. He's yeah. not this the opposing mm-hmm. force. Mm-hmm. Kind of like Schmeagol or Gollum. Uh, he's this little uh, ugly creature that uh, is illiterate and he's and following you around and he needs something from you. Yeah. He's like craving to get mm-hmm. into you. It's like, but he's this ugly little thing that everybody looks down upon. Like, oh, oh, that don't, that's an that's an atrocity. And actually, yeah. that's it's a, ugly. That's a great illustration because I mean, like, I don't know how much you've watched of Lord of the Rings, but. As you like watch, like he'll be on your side and he'll be good. And he has like mm. he has two faces. Like yeah. and it's really funny when he looks into water, like you see the demonic side of him. Mm-hmm. But he'll be like all friendly, and then like he'll literally try to kill you for this ring. Mm-hmm. Like he just he wants this ring because it has this power to it. Mm-hmm. So that's actually a perfect illustration there, Riley. Yeah. It is. Um, he, Lewis ends that chapter talking about dualism, mm-hmm. talking about Satan, mm-hmm. and I. I love this. Um, 
He says, we are on enemy-occupied territory. But this is Satan's world in a sense. He's the prince of the power of the air. He will not always rule. One day he's going to be thrown into the lake of fire. We've said this before. People are very confused. Satan is not ruling in hell. God rules. Satan is being burned forever. But he says, when you go to church, you are really listening in to the secret wireless from our friends. That is why the enemy is so anxious to prevent, prevent us from going. He does it by playing on our conceit and laziness and intellectual snobbery. And Lewis says, I know someone will ask me, do you really mean at this time of day to reintroduce our old friend the devil, hoofs and horns and all? Well, what time of day has to do with it, I do not know. <laughs> and I am not particular about the hoofs and the horns. But in other respects, my answer is yes, I do. I do not claim to know anything about his personal appearance. If anybody wants to know him better, I would say to that person, don't worry. If you really want to, you will. Whether you'll like it when you do is another question. So basically he's saying don't mess around with mediums and crap. Mm -hmm. um, don't mess around with weird demonic stuff because things will happen. The, the law of attraction, we see. I see that a lot. Uh, people think if you do something good and pray and kind of talk to something, mm -hmm. good things will return. It's real. It's demonic. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, so the, the last uh, portion here we're going to talk about is the shocking alternative that Lewis gives. Uh, rather than just having a dualism thing, he's going to talk about what real Christianity is. And basically talks about a true God mm -hmm. who's going to actually judge the world, mm -hmm. but yet will offer forgiveness to Jesus. So the last thing I wrote down for the first part of the book... Um, in, on page 48 it talks about free will and that's a it's a question i've even had to ask kinzer about like do we have free will um like trying to understand it and he said so why does god give free will and he says though it makes it does make evil possible it's the only it also is the only thing that makes it possible to love um good like or yeah it's the only thing that makes possible any love goodness joy worth having a world of machine creates meaningless lives, which is not worth creating. And actually, I br it brings me back to, because I've been going through and just kind of jot, like, jotting down things from each Bible chapter, and I was actually reading through Ecclesiastes 7. And at the very end of it, and it's verse 29, it says, um, where is it at? Um, this only have I, this is Solomon talking, and he says, this only have I found. God created mankind upright, but they have gone in search of many schemes. God created humans to do right, but humans have preferred to search out their own path apart from God. So, I mean, God gives you free will. He wants you to love him, but he's not going to force you to. And because, really, I mean, what would be, like, what would it be like creating a world where everybody's just forced to love you and forced to automatically commit and submit to you. Like, God God doesn't want that. Like, He wants you to be with Him, yes, mm -hmm. but it, he, he would rather you make that choice on your own than just be like, I'm a machine, I have to love Him, and I have to do what's right, and mm -hmm. I, can't, I can't sin against people. Yeah. We know that's what we're supposed to We're not supposed to do those things, mm -hmm. but He gives you the ability. So mm -hmm. I think that was really interesting kind of, kind of to see how He talks about free will in that regard. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, to wrap up a doctrine that's very helpful when thinking about the free will is 
something called regeneration. Basically, it means the new birth. Regeneration. To gen means to be born, re again. So, born again. And God is the one that restarts hearts. He's the one that causes new life. Whenever we're out sharing the gospel, talking to people about Jesus, we can't start that heart. We can't. Uh, some people say they just need to drink the... Uh, the antidote, they're poison. They just need to drink it. Well, the problem is they're dead. Mm-hmm. You can't reach out and take some antidote if you're dead. So they're dead. So what God has to do is restart the heart. Mm-hmm. And God is the one who does that. But then once he restarts the heart, it's you and him. It's mm-hmm. your responsibility to grow in him. He helps you, but we are free. So, so God is sovereign in control and man is free. And Lewis holds that tension uh, very well. And, and he's trying to build a case that God of the Bible, the God of the Bible is the true God. And uh, he's just very helpful. Uh, Mere Christianity is a really helpful book. Um, I would suggest you know, everyone try to read it um, at least once. Um, it's one that many, in seminary, many pastors would say, I, I read it often like mm-hmm. maybe once every three years just to keep it fresh and um so it's a really helpful book um we'll, we'll go over the last uh, half of it next week um but i pray this is this has been helpful to you you guys have anything to add no. all right um who wants to pray us out riley do you want to pray us out first first time back on the podcast <laughs> dear lord uh i thank you for this day I thank you for this podcast that we may be, may be able to reach others who we couldn't reach, you know, physically where they're a long distance away or whatever you would have it, Lord. Um, please help this podcast to find the right people. Help them to pull from what we pulled from C.S. Lewis's book. Lord, I pray that you would help us and the listeners to take this, take these words into our week, Lord. Keep us safe. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And we will see you guys next week once I'm back from Alabama. You guys have a great 4th of July and hope you guys had a great weekend. Um, Yeah, join us next week for part two. Peace. Bye.